Hey guys, I'm Michael Carboni and you're listening to episode 10 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. This is the rugby league show for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. And I've got a very special guest host with me tonight, so let's meet him. I've got a very special guest host with me today. He's been a rugby league coach for 26 years. He's coached in the UK. He's been the assistant coach for the USA Tomahawks in the 2013 World Cup. He's coached at schoolboy level. He's coached at NRL level, assisting the Manly Seagulls and the Penrith Panthers. He's the owner of RugbyLeagueCoach.com, and he's also the head coach of the Polwood National Rugby League team. Lee Addison, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. It's .com.au, though. .com.au, sorry. I think it's a common mistake people make, because um, I get people who contact me and say they can't find the website, so... Uh, well, I just assumed you're go- you're going worldwide, so I just assumed maybe yeah, .com would be the way to go. Somebody owns the domain name rugbyleaguecoach.com, and they want quite a lot of money for it, so they're going to have to wait. It's not Wayne Bennett, is it? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mate, great to have you on the show. I can't wait to pick your brains. In particular, um, really keen to to get all your thoughts on on rugby league in Poland yeah. in general. Um, I don't know a lot about it. So I'm um, really keen to learn as much as I can and give our listeners a chance no to learn as much as they can. My as well. pleasure. Mate, why don't, why don't we get stuck in? My pleasure, mate. Let's go. My first question to you, mate, is how does an Englishman living in Brisbane end up coaching the Polish National Rugby League team? It sort of happened. It's been in the pipeline, sort of, for about a decade. Um Ten years. I had a yep. um, conversation with a guy called Daniel Andrusik in the late, well, yeah, it would have been 2009. We met up for a beer in Sydney and had a few phone calls and a few emails. And then he sort of, his life went in a different direction. We wanted to get Polish Rugby League up and running there. And what was he doing? What was his his whole role? in everything? He, he, he basically he... wanted to try and start it and... He lived in Australia okay. and he wanted to try and um, and get things going that way. Um, and then it died off. I think he became a rocket scientist or something like that. And next, I next bumped <laughs> okay. into him in Philadelphia. I actually um, at the at the World Cup qualifiers for for the 2013 World Cup um, in 2011. I bumped into him in Philadelphia and we chatted a little bit more. And um, um, yeah, just never got off the ground. And then. I think there was a big gap, and then about 2015, 2016, um, a guy called Shane Young put some kind of notice on Facebook saying he was trying to get a Polish exiles in Australia together. Um, and okay. I wasn't, I wasn't on Facebook at the time, and I heard it secondhand, and flicked him an email, and we actually met up in Wollongong, and I think it was 2015 or 2016, and there was. There was a, a mooted um, Emerging Nations World Cup then, and he sort of said, we'll be in touch, and, um, uh, you know, if there's an Emerging Nations World Cup, Lee, you'll be the coach, because my granddad was Polish. Yeah. So, Addison's uh, not a very Polish Polish name, is it? Addison? No, well, well, our, our original surname is Adasco, and Addi- Addison is the English equivalent. Um, oh, you got you got you got to change it back. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he uh, he, he anglicised it because he was really struggling to get jobs. Uh, he was an educated man, and after the war, if after the war, you know, back in those days, you know, British were British and Polish were Polish and French were yeah. French. You know, people didn't really mix as much, and 
people were quite suspicious and he, he found that when he was sending his CV and it said a Dasco, Stanislav Adasco one, people weren't interested. So he changed his name to Stanley Addison. And that and that's how I've become an Addison. Very English. Um, yep. And anyway, so, you know, met Shane Young and then that Emerging Nations didn't, didn't happen. And then a couple of years later, I... Luke Schrammer, who you'll be familiar with, Schrammer Rugby League Recruitment, yep. sent out a notice yep. saying that an Emerging Nations World Cup side was looking to find a coach. Now, Taz Bateri, the old uh, development man, I've been into him for years trying to get a... Uh, after the whole USA Tomahawks thing went south, um, yep. been trying to get a, an Emerging Nation that I could sort of make my own and try and get them to a World Cup. Um, yep. And again, you know, a few false starts. But then this this email came through from Luke Schrammer. And I rang Luke straight away because he's a, a, a good friend. And, oh, and awesome. said, who is it, Luke? And he said, it's Poland. I said, well, tell him Lee Addison's still really keen. And I, I still had <laughs> Shane Young's number and got in, tech, got in touch with him. And he sent me, I mean, he'd laugh about this now, but he sent me quite a terse sort of reply back saying, I'm not the one choosing it. And, I, and what I found out since that, at that time, he were, he'd sort of thrown the towel in. Oh, I see. Um, yep. Only to come back into the fold. Let me let me add. But at the, t- at the okay. time, he'd thrown the towel in because of a decision that had been made. Um, I won't digress. So I was sort of not very confident at that stage. Um, and then there was a bit of a delay, and then I eventually got interviewed. And turns out, um, even though I think I was a front runner for the job because of my experiences from the start and my Polish heritage turns out yep. there was 30 odd applicants and eight, oh, no eight, eight made the short list and they were from all over the place. So, you know, it was quite an achievement to get the job in the end. So, um, I went the long way around it, as you can imagine. <laughs> it sounds like it was meant to be, to be honest with you. You've always been there in the picture and then yeah. calling Luke when, when Luke said, Oh yeah, it's Poland. You must've been, uh, you must have thought this is it. This is going to be. This is going to be the one. Um, I was actually in a in a few minds because I wondered why I'd not been asked because I'd had those conversations <laughs> yeah. a couple of years earlier. Now, but it turns out that Shane Young officially wasn't part of the Exiles thing at the time. It it sort of chucked the towel in for a while because he was upset about a decision that had been made that had since been overturned yeah. from an international perspective. So. Um, yep. and you know it's indicative of some of the passion and passion that some of these guys have for for what what we did and and how we did it. So, um, so yeah, I think you know I, I tend to look at these things quite analytically. I do think there's some fate involved. Um, yep, and it, it's been already. It's been one heck of a ride. And um, the, so, was the Emerging Nations? Was that your first gig with Poland? Was that? Yeah, I got the job six weeks year? before the Emerging Nations World Cup. We had we had nine players. Oh well, we actually had fourteen, and five of them didn't play in the end, and for whatever Wait, reason, how, injury how or. How did you find the rest? Um, and of those nine, five had been retired yeah. for a combined total of about eighteen <laughs> years. Um, a player who I gave my coach's award to the other day. At our presentation night, he had been retired five and a half years. Jamie Scissorbank. Um, I, th- you know, it's very easy. You know, when when we when we did what we when we achieved what we achieved in the cup, some people were quite, you know, oh, it's too many Aussies, this, that, and the other. It was a, it was the hardest job I'd done in my life, and the hardest I'd worked in in six weeks. 
Well, it would have been a tough task getting them together. And that sort of answers some questions for me because if you look at some of the score lines, so you guys were never really given an opportunity to sort of reach the highest stage of the emerging nations. You guys were in that sort of uh, trophy sort of group, weren't you? Yeah. And and I remember hearing, I think I heard on the Hong Kong Rugby League podcast, they said, oh, you know, Poland should have been, you know, they should have been much higher than where they were, or they should have started off much higher than where they were. And if you look at some of the results, so you guys beat Hong Kong 62 to 6. Mm. You beat Japan 58 to 6. Mm. You then went on to the trophy semi-final against Vanuatu and you won 44 to 4. And then you beat the Philippines in the final 14 to 10. So that was the trophy final. Yeah. And, and keeping in mind that the Philippines, they played earlier, they played against Malta and Nui, who were the grand final uh, winner and runner-up. Runner yeah. Up. And they only just lost. Yeah. So, so you guys could have been right up there with Malta. I th- had, had. Yeah. I, I think. I think. I think rugby league. Sometimes I think we get a bit too smart for our own good. Sometimes as a sport. So <laughs> yeah. you know, ru- that's a good way to put it. Ru- ru- rugby league in England has only just got rid of the super eights and the middle yep. eights and. And it took people five years to get used to them and what they were. And then as soon as everybody worked them out, they've gone back to the old Winfield Cup system, top five. Yeah, um, top five. I still struggle to get my head around the NRL top eight system. You know, like it... Yeah. You know, it, it's... Um, you know, and I think we're a bit guilty of that sometimes. And I think even though the best intentions were meant, you know, giving... Every, every team needs to have a crack at the, at the top prize. Yeah, because, I agree. Because then you know where you are in the yeah. bigger picture. Now, I think all it's done for us and for other people is allow people to argue about where we could be or should have been or whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, you know, yeah. even commentary to play, even commentary people on the live stream, uh, which was fantastically done by uh, Bar TV, they they were saying Poland will be favourites for this tournament. And I had to sort of explain to them, guess what? We're not because we can't win it. You, you know? can't make um, it, yeah. And I, you know, I know why they did it. They wanted to avoid one-sided score lines. That's what they said to me. The irony is that we went up on putting one-sided score lines over everyone that we played with, the exception of the Philippines. And don't forget as well, in the warm-up match, we beat Hungary 32-0 as well. Um, okay. So, you know, we were racking up big scores. Um Look, all we had to do was play what was in front of us. That's all we could do. Yeah. Um, of course, we used it as motivation. The players were wound up about it. Um, they probably contributed to us performing in the way we did, to be honest, the decision, because we wanted to prove that we were one of the best teams there. Um, so do you think if you were up in that top group that you you probably wouldn't have won as well? Or Is that what you're saying? No. Or it's just, um, yeah. I think it's six of one, half a dozen the other. I mean, mm. um, we 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 played okay against Hong Kong. We played okay against Japan. We played very well against Vanuatu. I honestly believe that because Vanuatu were from the top pool. I think yeah, we could have played anybody in that tournament that day, and I think we'd have possibly beaten them because we were so good that day. I, I've been a coach for 20 years and I've been involved in the game for a lot longer and I know when my team 
is in the right space and they were fantastic that day. Yeah. They did exactly what I wanted them to, with one or two exceptions, but we were just we were on we were on fire relative to the to the scenario we were in and I honestly think we could have played anybody in that tournament that day and, and done very well. Um, yeah, you probably probably wish you were playing Malta that day. That would have been <laughs> awesome. The um but the thing is I don't think you know it's six or one half a dozen the other because when you rack up these scores against teams, you don't really get tested. Yeah. But at the same time, we had to go through certain processes to, to achieve those scores. So I'm I'm one of those coaches that looks at the process and then the outcome looks after itself. So believe it or not, at half time in the Japan game, I give my players the rounds of the kitchen. Um okay. and I actually had I actually recorded it because I was recording things from my website and I actually had to is it av- actually is it available anywhere? Well, to I had to, to get I had to get rid of it because there'd been there'd, there'd be no there'd be no organisation in the country would play oh, play well. what what came out of my mouth that day and um, uh, you know it'd definitely be eighteen plus and and because I was so angry because we we had a culture amongst ourselves. Yeah, and we weren't abiding with that culture. We weren't sticking to that culture, and I gave it to the players. And yep. you know, those one-sided score lines weren't accidents. We, I, I really got into the players about certain things, and the players responded. You know, um, that's excellent. You know, it, 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 and and then when it came to the Philippines Grand Final, we'd never been tested. So, yeah, you know, when the Philippines are coming back to us and it's fourteen ten, I'd never seen my players in that circumstance before, and more importantly, they'd never been in that circumstance with each other before. So it was a real testing point. And some of the statistics from the Grand Final that I did afterwards were phenomenal. We defended our own goal line, our own good, our own defensive area for 14 occasions 14 six to six in that game on the line on, on wow. the, sort of in the in the vicinity of the line so like the last 30 yeah. meters on the line yeah that yeah. that is phenomenal statistics and we got into the philippines sort of good ball area so near their line we got there five times and scored three tries so and that was all in the first half wasn't yeah. it just for anyone that, so, that, so, didn't, so, that didn't watch yeah we got there four times in the first half and scored three tries in the second half, we got there once and dropped the ball not with the line at our mercy. So, our conversion rate from sort of field position into points was good. But we actually spent a lot of that game defending. And um, yeah. I'm not sure if some people in the rugby league community genuinely gave Poland the credit they deserved for that win. Because, honestly, the boys were out on their feet. After the... In the last 20 minutes of the Venuatu game, I made a... Um, a decision. I didn't consult with any assistant coaches. I didn't yep. consult with any senior players. I was looking at my players. I thought these boys are knackered um, yeah. because we were playing um, Thursday, day off Thursday, train Friday, played Saturday or Saturday. Sorry, play Sunday, day off Monday, train Tuesday, played Wednesday. And the original plan was going to be day off Thursday, play Friday, uh, train Friday play Saturday and I actually made a decision looking at the players in that last 20 minutes didn't consult with anyone cancelled training on the Friday 
brought the team together 24 hours earlier and just did massages. Or I've been doing the massages. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, mass, the, the masseuse did the massages and we had the air relax recovery system and the boys just did recovery and we did a video review and, and I gave the boys a night off. We, we, we weren't physically able to train. We, we were... We were on the ropes and the boys come up with it in the first half. They played very well. But in the second half, I just I just saw, I saw you know, 17 boys who were just ready to die for each other on that field. They, they just hung on. Um, they really held they really held on at the end. And I, I feel sorry for anyone that was, um, any of the spectators that were sitting on the other side of the field because they wouldn't have seen any tries. That no, time. no, um, no. Because we scored all of them on the left side as you look at the camera and then yeah. Um, and we didn't really threaten the other trial line at all. And so, yeah, it was a great day. It was a great day. Um, I cried like a baby at the end. Just the whole, <laughs> the whole emotion of it, you know, it was, it was unreal. So, um, makes a lot of sense. So I, um, and, and look, the Emerging Nations, I think was quite a success. Do we know, are there any plans to bring it back or do we know, do we know what's happening there? Is there talk? There's talk, but nothing official. I think. I mean, at risk of turning this into a a sort of anything that could be construed as negative, I think us emerging nations are wanting something in concrete soon. You know, we yeah we, we want to know if there's going to be another one in four years or two years. I tell you why because it allows people to to plan. If yeah. if we've got one in four years' time on the other side of the world. It allows all the Aussie boys to save their money. It gives yep. us four years' time to collect sponsorship and fundraising. You know, because again, you know, people criticise how many homegrown players we had. Well, it yeah. was very, we wanted. We I selected five, and they actually could not afford to get themselves over because of the economic situation in Poland. You selected five domestic, yeah. domestic players. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. Um. That's not my fault. It's not anyone in Poland's fault. It's you know, it's a short turnaround. If we've got yep. four years to do it, there'll be plenty of homegrown players in that team. And and I think, you know, if I can use this podcast to, to say that that, you yeah. know, let's have something in place. You know, uh, why can't we have an emerging World Nines alongside the the World Nines this year? Yeah, I totally agree um, with that. Twelve teams is not enough, and and if they think there's going to be some big blowouts, then then add a second tier, like you said. And I think the whole domestic versus heritage thing, there's there's always a lot of talk about it. And I know I'm glad you said what you did, mate, because I know Poland in particular probably got um, the raw end of that deal. I know I heard a lot of people say, oh, you know, we I know Hong Kong, Vanuatu, teams like that. They brought their domestic teams along, and they expected that from a few others such as Poland. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's always that heritage versus domestic de- debate, but I, I assume that for you guys, it's really about finding that balance. Well, we, and... we had no option. If we wanted to compete in this tournament, we had to find 20 players of Polish extraction. And yeah, uh, we, you know, our total number was about 32 and we ended up cutting it down or it got cut down by injuries or unavailability. So it's not like we're dipping from a really deep, pool of talent at the minute um we're still yep. finding who is polish you know yeah. it, we're still in that process the other thing has anyone has anyone put their hand up since and said hey i, I can play yeah. next time yeah like, yeah yeah so yeah. 
we've got quite a few under 18s now, for example. Um, yeah. You know, it, it all happened so quickly. So anybody who wants to criticise needs to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. It, well, if they care to, because <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm actually not the kind of coach who wants to just get a load of Aussies or a load of English and just win a tournament that way. I'm actually quite a utopian sort of person who um, wants to have some Polish blood in there. So, um, when I say blood, I mean domestic blood. So, yeah, um, I'm putting plans in place moving forward where if we play a test match in Poland, there's a cap on the amount of Australian and British players can play in that test team. Good. If we play a test match in Britain, there's a quota of 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 players from Britain, uh, Poland, and Australia. Likewise in Australia. But again, I do know the game's weaknesses, and one of the game's weaknesses is that we're not swimming in a big pot full of money everywhere. And that's right. You know, it's literally that simple. So six weeks out from the tournament, I wanted five overseas players in the t- in the tournament. We ended up having three. Two, yeah, two. Sorry, uh, who were they? And that was Rob Najetsky, who lives in America, and uh, Wojtek Strakowski, uh, whose name I've probably just completely messed up. I was and... gonna say, I'm glad you, you, you pronounced it, not me, because I'm terrible. At this <laughs> but... Tech, we'll just go with Tech. <laughs> tech. Um, he, he is a, as Polish as, as anybody born and raised in Poland, but he lives in Mallorca, so um. But I actually, I, I had a couple of British fellas on my list. I sent one of them to the physio at Salford Reds. I pulled in a favour from my hometown club. I yep, got an yep. assessment on his shoulder and we couldn't bring him over. Um, you know, anybody who criticises, you know, I'd love them to see my phone bill, Shane Young's phone bill, Alex Kowalski's phone bill. Because, they're, you know, Alex and Shane both work. Alex works in a mine. And Shane works in a prison, so they're not answering their phones in the day. So when I got <laughs> home from work at five o'clock, my phone started, and we were recruiting and and trying to do what we could and everything else. So, you know, anybody who just just chucks criticism out like that is 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 not really uh, peeling back the layers. The other thing I want to say that you mentioned earlier said that you know there's a fear about one-sided score lines. Well, yep. I'm, I'm going to switch codes for a second and talk about Japan in the late nineties. They used to get flogged in the World Cup, and yeah. the rugby union authorities just stuck with them, kept giving them opportunities, and then 20 years later, they beat in South Africa, and literally only a few months ago, they nearly rolled England over at, at Twickenham, and, You're, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody in rugby league actually cares as much as, as they think uh, 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 in these higher levels. And these top tables, I, I think, you know, rugby league think, by its very think... nature, we love an underdog. We love, yeah, you know, and and you know, I, I played for a few teams in the past where we've been beaten by sixty and seventy points, and it teaches yep. you so much. And you can either aspire to to get closer to that team or you fall. And most people I know in the rugby league try and grow from that. So, um, yeah, do you think they don't care or they they're impatient? Because I just feel like if with rugby league, if one thing fails, the the fans and the media they really like just bag the shit out of the whole concept, and then we're too scared to to try again. Um, 
I, I, only... I ain't going to accuse anybody of not caring. I, I think the yeah. I think the opposite is true. I think they care yeah. too much. Um, there will always be negative people in any walk of life. Um, yeah. There's something very prevalent in Australian society called tall poppy syndrome. But I think yeah. I think the reality is it, it's prevalent any, anywhere. So anybody who's successful, they like to sort of bring it down. Um, and that seems quite prevalent in rugby league. I think with we, we've got this sort of um, paranoia as a sport about breaking through it as, as being a main sport. And yeah. the irony is that this paranoia makes us chop and change things all the time. So we chop and change rules. We chop and change playoff formats. We chop and change city country or all-stars concepts and blah, blah, blah. Yet the reality is the biggest sports on this planet are full of tradition. And they, you know, the Super Bowl takes place at virtually the same time every year. Yeah. You know roughly what stage of the English Premier League you're going to be in right now if you look at if you look at the fixtures, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know the season's going to end roughly about May. You know if you get to June, July, you're going to be watching Wimbledon. Whereas what we've constantly done in rugby league in our effort to be to be bigger is chop and change and chop and change. And I think what's happening is as a result is people don't know where they stand with us. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the minute you confuse a floating fan is the minute you lose them, I think. It's a really good point. I always say, like, you look at soccer, biggest game or, or football, depending on where you're from, <laughs> but the biggest the biggest sport in the world, and really it's quite simple. Stay behind the kicker yeah. and don't touch the ball with your hand well, unless you're a goalkeeper. And it's funny, you know, the, there's the most negative uh, press surrounding the, the VAR, the um, visual assistant referee. Or whatever it's called, yeah, yeah. And again, you know, it's it, 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 that's everyone saying keep it simple, keep it simple. So, you know, I, I find it I find it ironic that you know the biggest test cricket still to this day is something that's a hundred odd years old and yeah. happens every four years on both sides of the world. So, um, and I think you know you said to me before, you know, why do they keep chopping and changing? I think it's. It's their very, very. It's the very, very, very poor decision, uh, decision group of decisions made to try and grow. I applaud the boldness of a lot of the things that we do in rugby league. Yeah. I applaud. I applaud the brave, the bravery. But I think it's actually we've got to believe in ourselves a bit more, you know, and. We've got to have consistency. It's like Lions Tours. I mean, how, <laughs> yep. how do they expect people to raise money for a Lions Tour if they give them six months' notice? How do they expect fans to travel to the other side of the world, you know? Do- and we don't even know if that's happening. I mean, that could, that, we heard there's an announcement to come yeah. this week or next week. Yeah. Um, and the announcement could be that it's not going ahead. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so look, I've, we've, we've spoken a little bit, little bit about the Lions Tour on the show before. And um, about the merits of it or or lack thereof, but mate, I want to swing a little bit back to Poland um, as well. In, in terms, just a quick question there. In terms of internationals that might be happening this year, I know you guys are you wanted. I, I read somewhere that you're planning three or four. Yeah, some in Australia, some over in Poland. Yeah. Is there any mail you can give us in terms of who you who you're playing, or is there any talk at the moment of what's going going on there? So what myself and Alex discussed at, at the weekend. So I didn't coach at the Cabramatta Nines. I 
purposefully allowed my assistant Dan Birdshaw to take the team. Wow, because yeah. I wanted to do some of this um, negotiating with other countries and, and the like. Um, as things stand right now, we spoke about the potential of the Australian exiles playing an allied nation in Cessnock on the 70th anniversary of the migrant camp in that area. In, Gre- oh, in, wow. Greta Bra- in Greta Braxton. So, Alex Kowalski, who's the president, one of the reasons he's in that area is his granddad and grandmother were migrants who ended up in that area. Okay. So, he's grown up in that area, and there's quite a lot of Poles there. So, and it's the 70th anniversary of that migrant camp. Um, so, we're trying to do that, and the reason we're trying to do something along those lines is because we feel that if we play a game sort of in a bush area or away from Sydney, you know, yeah. we'll be going to, we'll be taking our game to a crowd that'll be willing to see some football, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah awesome. And we're likely to we're likely to, to, to build something up. Um there's gonna be a couple of test matches in Poland towards the end of the year, so like October time. So what I'm okay. trying to do uh, um is sort of streamline what we do. So you know, Australia don't play test matches. You know, there's not an Australian Exiles team that play against a, a Chile team or something once a week or, or in February. Yeah. You know, they, we're trying to play at similar times to the other test nations, so we're part of that bigger fabric. Um, yep. so, so we're looking at a couple of test matches in Europe with about five Australian players going over, a few English players joining the, the domestic hub. Um, if I was to be a guessing man right, uh, a betting man right now, I'd be betting something like two test matches over the course of five or six days with with the Australian and the British boys going in and doing some skills development work at schools during the yep. week. Um, and then we also uh, brokered conversations with the USA about playing in Hawaii as well. Oh, that would be as excellent. part of That'd their World Cup. Qualifying warm up stuff, so um, that is what we're working on. Um, our original plan was we wanted to go all out nines because we wanted to play in that world nines, and then two weeks after having that meeting, we read in the newspapers that there was only going to be 12 teams, and I just got the feeling that Poland won't be on that list. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing that, like you said, an emerging nines. In parallel to that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Good to see that you guys might be playing the USA. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see. It, I'd love to see. Sorry, go. Ahead. I was just going to say it's an obvious link. I mean, we've got Rob Nijetsky, who's American, but yeah. Polish. He, his parents are Polish, and I, and I was obviously the old assistant coach of the Tomahawks. So, yeah, but you know that. And unfortunately, or fortunately, that's how these fixtures at the minute are, are being negotiated. It's it's us guys doing all the negotiating. Uh, well, I want to go into more detail about that towards the end, topic number three, about the emerging nations and what you guys are doing together. No worries. Um, I guess um, I guess I'd like to know a little bit more about the Polish Domestic League as well. So I don't know much about that. Mm. I'm not sure about teams taking place. Yeah. What I do know, and correct me if I'm wrong, so the guys over there play a lot of nines tournaments, and then there's a grand final at the end of the year, which is 13 a side. Is that correct? Something like that, yeah. So it's chopped and changed every year. And again... Yeah. In contrary to the normal chopping and changing of rugby league, this is out of necessity because Wukash over there, it's spelt Lucas, the, the anglicised way it, it looks like Lucas, but you actually pronounce it Wukash. 
Fuck ass. Um, <laughs> I'm making myself sound like some great Polish pronunciator here. I'm actually... That's okay. You're better, I'm, better I'm than me, don't worry. I'm terrible at it. Um, <laughs> um, but Wukash, you know, has been slaving away there for, for eight years or so and uh, is getting no government support. Is The game isn't recognised by the government, so he's slaving away. And, um, I think there was a little bit of a dip. So a couple of years ago, it was pretty strong and building, then there's been a bit of a dip. And I think, I think it's like anything else. It's like us doing our businesses and your podcast and everything. If if you if you plow away for six years and don't really get the get the increase in in listenership that you want, you might your energy might start to run out a little bit. Yeah, you know? fair and, enough. Yeah, and I, and I, and, I, and I think there was an element of this, but the Emerging Nations World Cup has sort of lifted everyone's spirits, and and we're all back at it again. So all of a sudden, Wukash has got this army of people now around him. Fantastic. That all want to help grow. And I've been very forceful in saying that, and I was on the record at the AGM the other day saying this, and and I said it to the boys at the presentation, that if we're not helping develop the game in Poland through everything that we do, then we need to pack our bags and give up. Well, what's the point? Yeah. If you just, yeah, it's... um. It would be ridiculous to, or, or it would be a Mickey Mouse sort of sort of side if it was. You know, all, if if there was an or... office, if we had an office in Silicon Valley for Polish rugby yeah. league, I'd I'd sort of want a mission statement up there that said, or a, a question that we'd always have to answer, and 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 would base everything we did. What is this doing to develop rugby league in Poland? So, you yeah. know, I think the test program that I talked about earlier. So, if we played the game in Cessnock or Greater Braxton. What that would do is we'd hopefully get a crowd, and Australia being a rugby league country, is we can actually send that money back to Poland. So all our all our money that we don't spend on tier and insurances, we send to Poland, right? So yep. that would then help benefit the game in Poland. Um, I think test matches in Poland or in Europe using Polish players helps develop the game in Poland. I think us going into schools helps develop the game in Poland. I think us playing a test in America against America, an established World Cup nation, would lift the profile through the roof. So, But, yeah, also, the, the you'd think there'd be a bit of rivalry, rivalry there in general between USA and Poland too. And I think what's funny is we always talk about these heritage players and a lot of people bag it out. But you mentioned, you know, getting those, those Aussie and, and English-Polish players over there to, to go into the schools and, and run training camps with the domestic players. I mean, this is... The, the heritage guys are important. And I think we... um. We lose sight of that in in the conversation sometimes. So, I think that's awesome what you guys are doing. Hundred percent. Uh, like, I think what we completely never mention and never talk about is that none of us, or very few of us, are actually from one nation. If you look at our fam, fam, immediate family, yeah, lineage. So, me personally, I could represent Ireland, England. Australia now because I have an Australian passport and Poland because of my family, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not that uh, much of a, uh, a a mix compared to some people I know. You know, um, yeah. There are interracial couples that have children. There are people from different countries have children. You know, um, there are so many people now who have grandparents from different parts of the world. The world yeah. is getting smaller. So yeah. the whole heritage thing is more and more of an issue. It's going to become more of an issue, not less of an issue. And I would implore all those who are who are negative about it to to 
to start changing and, and, and get into the 21st century because, you know, what is an Australian? What is a Pole? What is an Englishman? You know, like we, 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 we do move around the world now and we do have, um, you know, different, different backgrounds and, and the like. That's right. It's not, and it's not unique to our sport either. No. Like it happens elsewhere. I know it happens quite a bit in rugby league, but we don't bat an eyelid when Andrew Fafita pulls on a Tongan jersey. We love it. We applaud that. So, you know, I think, I think the, you know, the Australian think... cricket team batted an eyelid for years when we had South Africans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, we, were, we, we were, you know, whatever the Australian cricket team. That's another, <laughs> another thing altogether. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mate, one last question on Poland. Then I want you to put you have a look into your crystal ball. It's twenty thirty. I don't know if you're still involved in the in the Polish national side, mm. but three three World Cups have passed. What's happening in Poland? Tell me what's going on there. What's the goal? I, as I said earlier, I want to try and get a minnow nation to a World Cup. So right now I'm sat here looking at twenty twenty five. That may happen. It may not happen. There's other things that need to happen for us to be even be considered about that. So we need to go from that nine aside competition that you were talking about to thirteen aside yeah. for our status as as a test nation to grow. So if you're talking crystal ball type stuff, what I will say is in 2030 you will have a, a bigger group of people because that group is getting bigger even since the AGM in, in, in Sydney on Friday. A bigger group, yep. a group of people who've slaved away trying to make it happen. I think a lot of what will happen, I think a lot of that is down to the wider rugby league community. So I think, you know, we need to know when if we've got a chance to qualify for the 2025 World Cup. We need to yeah. know exactly what we need to have in place. Um, or is it an Emerging Nations World Cup in a few years? All I will say that my hope is that uh, we, we, we run a similar path to the USA and Jamaica and the like, that if we've been operating for, for a decade, just over a decade, yeah. we're going to be a lot closer to that World Cup or... Or, or not, and then therefore I think that will have an impact on the domestic comp. Um, until rugby league is recognised as a sport in Poland, I think it's always going to be an uphill battle. The other thing is free movement is becoming more and more. Poland as a nation, even in the 12 years that I've lived in Australia, has now become a tourist attraction for so many British people. So the economy is getting boosted all the time. So, yep. you know, the movement's going to go back to Poland as well. So I've sort of, I've not been very, I've not been great in answering that question, but I think, you know, we're hoping it's more people in domestic comp and some World Cup appearances. The reality is that there's a lot of water to go under the bridge for that to happen. Well, look, it certainly sounds like the team is there and um, we certainly wish you all the best, man. And we're going to be watching closely. I know all the listeners of this show um, will be taking an even keener interest in Poland and what you guys are doing. So um, thanks for sharing, man. And um, why don't we move on to topic number two? No problem, mate. Mate, um, topic number two, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. So 
the Cabramatta International Nines. It was the 17th uh, annual edition of that. Happened over the weekend. I didn't get a chance to go out there. I really wanted to, but um, had a few things happening around the house. I did get to listen to a few, had a few, did get to listen to a few matches on Steel Sport. Yeah. They, they, they ran a really good really good call throughout the entire day. And um, yeah. I only just discovered them a few days ago, so I'm glad I did. <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot of I've seen a lot of um, posts on social media today stating that South Sudan Sudan won the the Cabra Nines, but it was actually the Aussie Cooks Correct. who won in the men's, so 22 to 6 over Cabra. Yeah. And in, in the women, it was the other way around. So Cabra won 20 to 4 against Cook Islands. Yeah. Um, South Sudan and Glebe Burwood Wolves shared the honours of the trophy final after a few in, uh, some injuries uh, shortened that, that game. Yeah. So just wanted to clarify that. But, mate, you were there. Um, you saw probably most of the matches, I'd presume. Can you tell me, you know, any highlights, lowlights, or anything that stood out for you from um, from this tournament? I think the the highlight for me was the multitude of different cultures, um, yep. jerseys, uh, backgrounds. Um, I put some pictures on my own social media of all the different some of the different countries that that participated. Yeah. That was a real highlight for me. Um, another highlight was I got to taste Jeff Bumbles, the Asian rugby league director. I got to taste his wife's food that she cooked for all the. <laughs> all, one, of, one of the advantages of of uh, not coaching and being a, a roving networker that day is you can go to the best food tents and see what everyone's doing. So, um, so I did that. Um, I, I think anything like that's good. Um, yeah, you know. <laughs> Just to, you know, like I said, I mean, we held meetings with the USA, we held meetings with the Asian Rugby League, you know, just trying to get things off the ground. So it's good. Yep. A low light, I think. Um, I believe the tournament isn't quite as big as it used to be. Um, yeah. For whatever reason. It's actually my first ever visit to the Cabramatta Nine, so I can't comment. Um, but I would have thought that things like the timing of it uh, since the Emerging Nations World Cup might have been a bit of a problem because. You know, not everybody who's playing in that tournament is from Western Sydney. You know, I know there's a few That's players right. from Queensland, and I live in Queensland. So, you know, and and there's only so many times you can keep keep going to the well. I think so. That yep. might have been an issue. I wonder if people are sometimes a little bit put off by the the weather at that time of year too. Um, yeah, and as it well, happened, well, it was, ra- it was raining in the morning and then beautiful in the afternoon. Well, as it so. happened, the weather was. It was twenty-two degrees or something. It cooled right down. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just chucking things out there. Um, and you know, again, one of the reasons that the Cabramatta Nines is is what it is is because it's been around for seventeen years and not changed that much. And people yeah. know that roughly around about February there's going to be a Cabramatta Nines, and you know, maybe it's just one of those things that it was down a bit on previous years. That sometimes happens, you know. Um, you know, the, the, the Sydney traffic situation is worse than ever as well. I mean, there's so many things that could contribute to it, you know, so. Yeah, um, that's right. But, but that was probably a low light. It was just down a little bit, I believe, on, on previous years. But I had a great day. I had a great weekend, to be honest. So um, if you were to say I'm going back there next year, I'd be I'd be jumping at the chance. You'd be there. I, I think they could be promoting it a little bit better, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, I go looking for things like this every day for the podcast. So I, I knew what was happening. But 
otherwise, I don't think many rugby league fans would know it's on until it's actually on. And possibly, I was having a chat to yeah, I was having a chat to Jake Watson, one of my co-hosts, and he used to actually play juniors at Cabramatta, so he's he's been around, he's been to a few of these things, and we're just saying, you know, next year we want to try and help get behind it and promote it a little bit and see what we can do if 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 at all possible. But I just think it's such a missed opportunity, especially with the Nines World Cup happening at the end of the year. Um, it would have been, I don't know, this is all, I like, I get a little bit pie in the sky sometimes, Lisa, bear with me, mate, but yeah. I just think we don't know who the 12 teams are going to be. No. If we ran, if we ran more of a, had an international pool and said that one of these teams are going to be qualifying for the, for the ninth World Cup at the end of the year, maybe there's a little bit more hype around it and there's a bit more. It's a I great idea. I think uh, uh, nine seems to be the rugby league thing now, doesn't it? Since the few years of the Auckland Nines, and yeah, which we've got rid of again, by the way. But um, well, yeah, you know, we'll um, talk about that. <laughs> the uh, you know nines from an emerging nations point of view might be a really good circuit to start things because it's a lot easier to get a team of nine together than it is to get a team of thirteen and four subs together. You know, exactly right. Um, and nines isn't that much different to full blown rugby league, really. You know, that's right. Um, there's a lot more space, obviously, but um, it's not a quantum leap like sevens is. You know, that's right. Um, I've been in enough teams and coached enough teams that have had eleven players against thirteen before. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think you're on the money there with what you said. Um, well, mate, I just think, like, especially now, you see the Carolina Nines happening in America. You've got the London Nines. You've got the Rotterdam Nines in Amsterdam. You've got the Hong Kong Nines. Like, there's, there's all these tournaments. I think if everyone puts their heads together, we could be onto something here. And, maybe maybe and, that's uh, the problem. Maybe there's too many Nines tournaments. So there's too much choice now. So, so could be people, are spreading, <laughs> people are spreading the love a little bit. Because there's a lot of these things popping up now. I remember when I first came to coach in Australia, I went down with a Christian Brothers under-19 side from Manly, and we played in the Kayama Nines. Oh, well, and, that was yeah. getting, and that was getting bigger and bigger every year. So, um, you know, there's a million things that factor into it. I don't think the desire to play rugby league is less. I think that's more yeah. in, amongst a lot of these people. Um, I, I, I think, you know... You've answered your own question. I think, you know, low light. You asked me about the low light, and then and then you've sort of gone on to 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 come up with some solutions there. And you meant <laughs> you meant to be interviewing me, and you come up with the answer yourself, which is. Um, oh, mate, I like having a discussion. I know. Bang, discussion, bang, but... bang the heads <laughs> yeah. together. Come up with a strategy. Um, we should do this more often. I know. <laughs> you know, but but you know, come up with a strategy for nines because I honestly think it's the. It's the big bash of rugby league, the nines, because yeah. you know I've been a quite a multi advocate for a, a mid year break where you play three origins ten days apart, twenty yep. four players go into camp, um, rather than seventeen, and, and club football gets doesn't get affected then. Uh, in that four week gap, everybody who doesn't qualify for New South Wales and Queensland plays for New Zealand, England, Tonga, Samoa, yeah. Fiji, Papua New Guinea. And then they have round robins and tests and things like that. And then anybody who doesn't play in that plays in a nine circuit that goes sort of Auckland, Perth, and then wherever else during that time. And I think that could be our big bash moment in the middle of the year. 
Um, was... Mate, I, I've been um, saying something like that. Too. I, we could probably have a whole episode yeah. about that. So we'll probably have to get you back on during Origin. No time. worries. Yeah. No <laughs> but, worries. But, but um, just quickly to wrap up the nines, I just wanted to shout out to the Colombian team. So they're the first Latin side to make the semis at, at, at Cabral. Okay. So that's really good, good for them. And um, I actually got to listen to one of the semifinals between the Aussie Cooks and the Italian, I'm going to call them the Italian Australians. <laughs> um, that went into extra time. So 16 all went into extra time. The Aussie Cooks won. And I think that was probably, I didn't listen to them all, but I think that was probably the game of the tournament. Yeah, so, okay. Well, I didn't see that because Poland went out that day. I mean, going back to the nines and why it might not have been as big, there were so many of my Emerging Nations World Cup players couldn't make it. Yeah. We had a scratch side together. Um, you know, and that's, so that's just one isolated example. But we went out earlier in the day, so I actually spent the day with some Asian rugby league delegates talking about game development stuff as well. So, um, like I said, I wasn't there to coach, really. I was sort of um, there to network and everything. So, um, the playing standard didn't seem that good this year either, to be fair. Mm. And, I, and that's yep. not that's not taken away from anybody who pulls on a rugby league jersey because if you do, you, 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 you've got an element of gladiator in you, I think. I admire everyone who ever pulls on a jersey. But, it, you know, there was there weren't that many players that stood out as being, geez, you know, I wish I had them in my team or anything like that. It, it's yeah. more like a social comp, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but, but that said, Poland didn't get into the nitty-gritty of semi-finals and finals, and that could have been very different. So... Yeah, um, might have changed I, your whole attitude. And I don't, thing. I don't want, I don't want to <laughs> sound disrespectful to anybody, you know. Well, look, look, there's always room for improvement, and I'm sure next year will be bigger and better. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, the other maybe... thing too, Cabramatta's ground isn't the easiest to get in and out of. Mm. Um, you know, people park the car about a mile walk away. You know, like it's. That's, that could be a factor now. I think, you know, there's, there's a million things. And... There's so many little things. Maybe they need more food trucks. It sounds, that always, <laughs> that always cool. gets the crowds. <laughs> I want to read a little post that you put up on Rugby League Coach's socials a few days ago. Yeah. So you said, Never before has Rugby League had this chance to be seen and played by so many people around the world. In 1895 and 1908, there were Rugby League revolutions in the UK and Australia. Well, we believe it's time for another revolution, and it's the one for International Rugby League. Mate, tell us about the emerging nations. You've obviously got your hand in um, in Poland and probably a few others through rugbyleaguecoach.com.au. Yeah. yeah. Tell us, tell us, paint the picture. Tell us about some of the struggles and some of the things that are going on and things that you're hearing about. If you imagine a map of the world, there is... Rugby league dotted in so many countries around the world. And when I yeah. say dotted, in some cases, it is literally the size of a dot. Like it's, you know, <laughs> 20 people or... But in some cases, it's quite significant. And we've got the the start of something in so many countries. I think we've got governing bodies that aren't financially in a position to to help them all. Yeah. So we have got all these countries that are crying out for help. Um, Wukash, I've already mentioned, in Poland. Uh, I, I believe the USA, their players are all paying their own way to qualifiers and paying for their hotels and, and the like. 
Um, uh, I I am semi familiar with the Greece situation. How there's a political yeah. uh, inf- uh, yeah. lack of infrastructure or, or, or infighting there. Um, I know that there is a Asian uh, development meeting every Tuesday, every first Tuesday of every month at Homebush for the yep. Asian or ASEAN Rugby League, covering all the Asian countries. And there's a big desire for growth in countries that you could never imagine. Um, yeah. There is, you know, we've blinked and the Philippines have been going for a decade now as well. Yeah. Um, I think what happens sometimes as well, that a lot of these countries are born um, out of struggle. The rugby league team is born out of struggle. And then when they get to a certain point, five, ten years down the line, the the, the constant struggle has took a toll on some people and... Um, Somebody else thinks they can do better, and sometimes a little bit of infighting, or or. It's interesting how you see it. That happens so much in our game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> so, but but going back to that post, I wrote that myself. Um, yep. The people I'm involved with on my website, rugbyleaguecoach.com.au, we're all expansionists. Um, when I was at the Emerging World Cup. I saw so many, met so many people who are so passionate about rugby league. It would bring you back, and it brought me back to when I was so passionate about rugby league as a kid that I just wanted more and more and more of it. That's awesome. And that's what they're like. Yeah, some of them are trapped in 40, 50, and 60 year old bodies. Right? <laughs> yeah. And they just want more and more and more. And I think in Australia, we take it for granted a lot. I'm an Englishman, and yep. England rugby league in England is still relatively a small sport. Yep. So rugby league in England has got this sort of siege mentality, and we're always trying to break free of the shackles. In Australia, on the other hand, it's got an element of it's in the DNA. Yeah, and we take it for granted sometimes. You know, we we know when we turn our TV on at night, there's probably going to be some NRL on it, either on the news or the footy show oh, or whatever, whatever, whatever. We know if yeah. we buy a newspaper, the back page is probably going to have rugby league on. We take it Even in the off-season this year. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> you know, we take it for granted a little bit. And what we've got in all these emerging nations are people who love the game. I urge all your listeners to go on to rugby league coach. I'm not plugging it, sorry. But go no, on, no, go on it, to rugbyleaguecoach.com.au, <laughs> click on admin, Sign up for that free section there. All I need is your email address. And go down and look at the Cameroon um, feature that we put together. Paul Yumby on there talks fantastic English. And one of the questions I asked him was, who are your favourite teams? I think he listed virtually every team in every nation in rugby league. He was so excited. I will say he also said his favourite team is Poland, but... Um, that was the first team he mentioned, but he went the Storm, and then he went to Catalan Dragons, then he went to Toulouse. He, he didn't stop, and he was so enthusiastic about the game. And you could duplicate that all over the show, and they're just crying out for help, crying yeah. out for help. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you now that if there's anybody out there who is listening to this podcast who's got some money to to throw into some charitable cause. 
in Asia or in Poland or whichever country, you know, I can help get them in touch because um, there's some real opportunities out there. I've, I've been talking to some people through my website about setting up academies overseas and stuff and what people want to do. And they are so ambitious. They're so yep. ambitious. And that's what I meant by the sort of the revolution. Now, the revolution doesn't mean we have to go against the the NRL or against the RFL. That's not what the kind of Good. revolution yep. is. The revolution is, is something rising, you know, something coming uh, against sort of trends. And we've messed up the first hundred years, really, I think, uh, <laughs> in the whole expansion thing. But now with social media, you know, you can meet people all around the world with, with technology. You know, we are doing, uh, uh, we have got to know each other through social media, <laughs> you know. And we, we have, far yeah, away we have. From each other. Um, yeah. Same with, pop, that? same with the Cameroon guys. They did a, a yeah. video feature with me and, and I've never met them yet. I've met them through social media. And, and that's what I mean. We can put eyes on the game from, from everywhere now. And it, all it costs people is whatever it costs on their broadband or if they're in a McDonald's, they're using their Wi-Fi. You using know? the free Wi-Fi, um, yeah. We have never had this opportunity before to put the game in front of so many people. And I think our conversion rate as a sport, I might be biased, but when people watch rugby league, I reckon eight out of ten people fall in love with it, you know. Like, the problem is it's not mainstream, is it? You know, we're, yeah. It, it, it's in England. It's it's mostly on Sky Sports, which is watched by about a quarter of a million people in a nation of sixty million. Um, it's still got quite a big cut in this country, um, but most of it is on the Eastern Seaboard. Yeah. Um, uh, cricket, you know, is is suffering a little bit this year because some of the games haven't been on free to air, and um, but but one thing we can do is we can put it on the internet. We can, we can have these streaming 100%. services, and yeah. we can give it to anyone, and we can stick a camera now on anything uh, for not very much money, and and live stream it, and and this is a real chance, and that's what I mean, you know. In 1895, a few clubs got together and sat round a table in the George Hotel, and and their league was the Northern Union. Well. We can get round a virtual table through Facebook or Skype and all talk to each other and and we can set something up and maybe if the powers that be aren't going to come up with tournaments, maybe we need to come up with our own. I don't know, but I, I, I'm sort of advocating that, that I think the time has come now and I think uh, I'm hoping fate has intervened because it wasn't an emerging nations for about 17 years. Yeah, and all of a sudden there's been one now, and I'm hoping this is the start. This is the catalyst. We can't, we can't um, let this chance slip. We've we've got I, we've got to give everybody who was at that tournament something else to aim for. I agree. There needs to be another emerging nations for sure, and uh, unfortunately, it might be up to the nations themselves to put something together. But I guess that leads me to another question. So, people often say, you know, is it actually the NRL and the Super League or the RFL's responsibility to, to help out. And I think you touched on a really good point. If it's, if obviously the, you know, how far does the dollar stretch, right? So the NRL needs to look after itself, for example, yeah. which I think they're doing in the Pacific and, and, you know, with their billboards in, in America and things like yeah. that. But I, I think one thing the NRL could do that doesn't cost them a dollar is, you know, get their games out on YouTube. Like, give it away for free in, in countries 100, outside of Australia. 101%. So, 
Because on on the, yeah. on the day that we're talking, what's been the big sporting event that's taken place today? Well, today was the uh, the Super Bowl. Correct. Yep. Um, can you imagine how little people would care about the Super Bowl if they couldn't access it? <laughs> like oh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and and the reverse is. How many people do you know, or how many times have you seen a Brady number 12 Patriot shirt in Australia? How many times have you seen the Patriots logo on a cap? Yeah, that's you right. You know? Um, LeBron James as well. Yeah. Um, any of the Premier League guys, like, it, it's everywhere. And, yeah. And, like, I'll answer your question. Like, 10 years or so ago, we didn't have, like, I think maybe the Super Bowl was on SBS, maybe. I'm not too sure. But no one really, really talked about it over here. Yeah. But now if you go to the, the city in Sydney, every pub is full. Yeah. In the morning, people in, in Patriots jerseys this year and, yeah. and a few Rams jerseys as well. Yeah. But, but people love it. People were talking about it. And a lot of those people will have never it. set foot in America. They'll have never been to a Patriots game. Yeah. Yeah, but they are contributing to the whole NFL brand and the whole Patriots brand by buying merchandise and, you know, clicking on websites that have advertising attached. You know, um, we we need to get eyeballs on the screen on screens. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, I. Again, I'm a little bit biased, but I think people are going, not going to be watching TV as much in the next five to ten years. They're going to be watching. Yep. They're going to be watching internet through either a TV, or I know myself. I've already drifted towards watching films and things like that on my phone. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you can well, you can take your phone anywhere, and I think I know when my two two three year old daughter is watching uh, the Wiggles on TV, and I'm I'm watching my NRL app on my phone. I so... watched Manchester City versus <laughs> Arsenal this morning on my phone so yeah i set yeah. the alarm it was early in the morning and i thought instead of going downstairs to watch it i'll watch it on the Sport app on my phone yeah. um that's the way we're headed um and you're right i mean you know they could even be smart and maybe not do every nrl game maybe that's a smart thing but i think what i want to see is i want the super league and the nrl to be the flagship comps i want I want kids in every country to be dreaming of playing in the NRL. Yeah. That might be a dream that never materializes, but they've got a dream, you know, they've got to they've got to have something to aim for, you know? My relationship with Manchester City Football Club has been stronger because of internet, because of TV and technology, I have seen more Manchester City games than ever in the last five, six, seven years. Yeah. And I live in Brisbane. Yeah. So, if there's not a lesson in that kind of thing, then I don't know I don't know what it is. And I think we're at the embryonic stage of that with the emerging nations. And what the emerging nations did, you know, I was sat in the Leeds Club at Windsor yeah, uh, listening into a meeting between an Argentinian an Aussie who spends half his year in Thailand and a Frenchman who spends all his life travelling around to different countries and currently lives in Bali. And there I was, a, a Pommy who's lived in England for 12 years, uh, Australia for 12 years, and coaches Poland. Now, I was sat listening in on that meeting. And that's rugby league. 
It was at Wyndham. Yeah. You know, like... That, um, that is, yeah, that is a sign yeah. of where we're heading. And, I, and I, I, I th- Yeah, sorry, continue. I'm, I'm sorry too, sorry. Um, I think <laughs> in 1895, you know, a load of people got their heads together and said, we don't like this. This is what we want to happen. In 1908, similar in Australia... Well, in 2019 or whatever, maybe, like you've said already in this conversation, maybe we need to bang our heads together and just come up with something because, and, you know, it's only money stopping it in some cases. So, you know. Well, mate, that's, that's why we started this podcast, just to get people talking about it. There's not a, yeah. There hasn't been a lot of international rugby league talk in Australia until recently, and I think the tides are turning. I truly believe that. And I, I hope do too. Right. We have a little segment called Golden Points at the end of every episode <laughs> where I go through a little bit of info. And there's not a lot this week because I want you to talk about Rugby League Coach as well. But yeah. um, one, one big thing that I did want to mention as part of our Golden Points, and I don't know if you have much to do through our Rugby League Coach with Nigeria Rugby League, but the first uh, Nigerian Rugby League club was announced, the Lagos Rhinos today. Wow. So congratulations to them. And I'm sure there'll be more clubs announced soon. So that's really exciting stuff happening over there. Um, I heard I read an article just before I got on the, um, the the New Zealand Rugby League CEO Greg Peters says that they will not be pursuing hosting rights for the 2025 World Cup which which I think is um, a shame because I think it would have been good over there if it's not in the USA do you have any thoughts as to where that could be or should be I think it's going to end up in Australia I think yeah I I was hoping you wouldn't say that, but I, I think that, you might be right. I think that's just the easiest option. Um, you know, you know, the World Cup being in England is—it's almost essential. To yeah. you know, uh, they did a pretty good job of the one, the last one they had in 2013. I was, I was there, and they did did quite well. But again, you know, the, the age-old problem of of TV rights that. Some of the some of the games weren't on on mainstream TV. Um, I remember watching the the other game in our pool on some kind of strange streaming service that wasn't very well developed back then and kept cutting out. Um, you know, even if it was in England again, I mean, it can only boost the game in England because I think the game in England needs as much of a of a heads up as it can. Yeah. Um, you know, there's places in Asia that would jump on it, I think, too. I mean, who says we need to play them at a load of different venues? Maybe we need to play them just a couple in a, in a mm. different country. Um, going back to New Zealand, I, I, I think I can understand it to an extent. I mean, the Cricket World Cup just by themselves, have they? I think they had a rugby. I don't think they, so. They had a rugby, They've had a union one. They have, but it's a rugby union country, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Greg Peters did say that the issue he felt like they'd love to do it, but he just felt that the the international game. And this could be a fair point, but the international game needs to drive more revenue, and he feels like there are other territories that could do that. Yeah. Whereas New Zealand probably probably couldn't. So that's probably a fair call. Um, um, we'll, F- we'll see what happens. FIFA or UEFA, I think it's UEFA, they're actually playing an anniversary Euro competition in a load of different countries. Oh, well. Um, so it's all happening at a similar time, and but they're all coming together for the quarterfinals, the semifinal and the final. That could, that could be an option. Um, 
whoever's hosting it, I think we need to know pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I think a decision will happen this year. Yeah. Um, so we're looking forward to hearing more there. Mm. A couple of other golden points. Um, we heard some news this week that Papua New Guinea could potentially be going to France for two test matches at the end of the year, which could be interesting. Yeah. It, it coincides with the, the proposed Great Britain Lions tour of the Pacific. So we, we mentioned earlier there'll be a decision on that soon. So it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. And I just wish that I wish that we're a little more organised with this sort of stuff. Um, it's a damn shame, and we'll, we'll probably talk about that for another hour. But mate, the final golden point, I guess, I've got a British, uh, an Englishman here on the show, so I need to talk about round one of the Super League. Yeah. <laughs> what What are your thoughts? Where, what are, I don't want to go through all the games, but what do you? What, you've obviously watched a few, I assume. Like, yeah, I've, I've had a bit of a look. Um, as often happens in round one of, of rugby league matches, they tend to be a little bit scrappy, so they tend to be knock-on-a-thons. Um, yep. And one little trend I've noticed in in rugby league in England is there can be a few shock results early. And I think... Yeah, London. I think London. Um, I think I think Salford winning quite convincingly at Huddersfield is a bit of a shock too. I, I'm not shocked yeah. by them winning. I'm, I'm shocked by the scoreline. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, I, I actually, I'm sort of falling back in love with the British game a bit because I think hashtag new beginnings. Yeah, but also <laughs> um, the, the the passion of the British fans and, and players is just very significant. Like it's yeah, it's uh, there's there's not that sort of taking it for granted that we have it in Australia a little bit, and the crowds are vocal and the like. And it was great, and the TV packages were quite good. Um, I just think one one of my things about Super League in England is that um, it's gone back to basics. So that simple playoff system. And I think I've just got a feeling it's going to be one of the better Super Leagues because it's that bit simple. Is that more bit simple? It, it's that much more simple to understand. Um, you know that if you get in the top five, you're going to be in a final series, you know, whereas. Yeah. I think you need a degree in rocket science to work out the the Super Eight system and all that. The um, yeah, I was I was a bit critical of them changing the Super Eight because I was sick of changing. But now we've got this top five system, let's keep it. Um, yeah, and everyone I've spoken to because I still got some great friends in England and I talk to people all the time. But I've also been reading stuff. All positive coming out of England about the promotion of the World Cup, about the promotion of Super League. So let's just ride with it. I think the only negative news last week that Wigan were docked two points, but I'm a big believer yeah. as well in the old uh, Donald Trump philosophy that all publicity is good publicity, you know? So, mate, I promised you um, I've left it right to the end, but I know you've been raring to talk about rugbyleaguecoach.com.au. <laughs> Tell us all about it tell us we've got a few players and and coaches from around the world that listen to this podcast so tell give them the the plug tell them what it's all about when i was a kid i played for england students and and great britain students and because we were in a national side we could only train sort of once a month and we got given programs um to do in our own time um and we followed them, and then we trained once a month. So you were sort of in charge of your own fitness and your own strength and all that kind of thing. I wanted to create a, a, a system, a, a, a platform, where anybody could access high-profile and high 
quality programs. So rugbyleaguecoach.com.au is for players, it's for coaches, it's for strength and conditioning coaches, but it's also for administrators as well. So for players, you can get weights programs on there, fitness programs, dietary advice, psychology advice, recovery advice, injury maintenance advice. Um, we have videos for everything. So there's over 500 videos on it already, as you know, because I know you've had a look. Um, yeah, we had a good look around. It was it's awesome. like, a, I describe it as like a Netflix for rugby league. So in my <laughs> in my utopian vision in my head, what I want to see is players signing up and bringing their phone to training and just following the program so they can go and train on their own or um, go to the gym and follow their program on, on their phone. Coaches, it's like a mentoring service for coaches. So um, one of the gaps that I sort of saw in the market was there's a bit of coaching stuff out there. But what there isn't is something that says, do this in week one, do this in week two, do this in week three, do this in week four. There was nothing putting it all together. So coaches can actually access. Because one of the biggest things I've noticed in coaching, you know, so many teams around the world are coached by dads who got tapped on the shoulder a week before the free yeah. started and said, we've got no one else, we please coach the team. Well, those guys can now access a quality program and without even stress, they can just deliver what's on that site and hopefully win some games or improve their players because that's what it's designed to do. So what I've basically done in the last six to 12 months is, because the site's only been going for six, but I've been setting it up for 12. Yeah. Every resource I've had in the past, I'm, I'm dumping it on there and in some cases, I'm turning it into a visual video. In other cases, I'm putting PDFs on. And I've, you know, I've been privy to so many coaching environments and high-end teams and low-end teams and everything else that I'm just trying to share those experiences. Um, and we want to be there for the game. It's it's a virtual rugby league club. So right now we're doing pre-season programs. We've got a program on there called Shape Up or Ship Out. And then a couple of weeks out from the season, we're going to do something to taper the training. And then in the season, it will be about um, maintaining fitness levels and skill levels and all that kind of thing. And then and then towards finals time, it will be about preparing for finals and, and all that kind of thing. So I've just imagined that I'm the head coach of a club and the club is rugbyleaguecoach.com.au. It's a virtual club. Yep. Its, mem- yep. its members are all around the world and they can all join and um, administrators, they can get tips from CEOs and and presidents of clubs. I've got stories from them on there too. So, um, and that bit's free. So, yeah, that's a, a summation of what rugbyleaguecoach.com.au is. I actually coach Poland quite heavily through it. Um, yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but, but the exiles in England, Australia. That's and, right. And I could bring Poland, them all so, together. Yeah. You yeah. know, so um, I think. I've been told by others who agree. I think it's quite cutting edge. I don't think there's there's much like that in the game. So I think it's a bit of a first for the game. Um, it is a genuine resource. Those people who are listening, I want you know, I want you to know that you can get in touch. If you want your club promoting, you can do it. Just get in touch, and I'll tell you how to do it. If you've got... A, well, where, where, where can people get in touch with you? So it's rugbyleaguecoach.com.au. Rugbyleaguecoach.com.au, the... Instagram and Facebook is at Rugby League Coach. Uh, Twitter is at, oh, what is it? I forgot it. Our at RL Coach on the net. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it's hard ad, to remember ad, all of these. Admin at rugbyleaguecoach.com.au is the email address. Yep. Um, they can get we'll put some links it. in the show notes as well if that's easier for, for anyone that wants to get in touch. And yeah, I've um, I've had uh, like you said, I've had a look through it, and I, I certainly think it could benefit, especially some of the like you mentioned, guys like in Cameroon and stuff like that. They don't have access to this sort of stuff now. But even even some junior, like all levels of rugby league, like. There's, there could be some real benefits here. So I really applaud what you're doing. Thank you. Lee and, and mates, um, keep it up. And hopefully we get to chat again soon, man, because this has been fantastic. Hopefully we get to meet in person one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure we'd have lots to talk about over a few beers. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to, to leave me leave us with uh, before, before we wrap things up? Oh, oh well... Seeing as we're, you know, having a mutual compliment, complimentary fest, well, 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 well done on what you're doing, and on all power to to you and your colleagues on that. Um, Thanks, th- this again is the future. I think this is part of our of our revolution. I think it's a social media revolution, and um, I think you're at the forefront of that. And I hope I hope we are too with my website and everything that. You know, it's about sharing information. It's about rugby league people around the world coming together and let's let's rise, let's rise as one. You know, let's let's bang our heads together. I think the only place we should we should compete with each other is on the football field. Off the field, we should be helping each other. And um, I think my final thought is, you know, let, let's just do everything we can around the world to grow the game and, and get things going. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. And I thank you for your kind words. And mate, really appreciate the chat. Uh, Lee Addison it's been fantastic cheers mate take care what did you say you've got Italian in you right Italian background yeah yeah Carbone that's fucking Carboni. sound like one of, <laughs> that's sound like one of the fucking it. godfather the um <laughs>